You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tax Wrap podcast, episode 61. We're back and we have today uh, Letty. Hello, Letty. Hi, Steve. And back on, the, on, on with us uh, today is uh, Lisa, who's been away for a little while. How was the trip back from Switzerland, Lisa? Oh, it was fantastic, yes. I've been to the uh, Court of Arbitration and my <laughs> appeal's been been seen and so yes I'm back off the bench so to speak or, or I was out with general soreness I think That's Andy right. said yep, yep. Um, so I think you've heard about the Essendon 34 well it was the taxpayers <laughs> yes. one but no <laughs> in all serious I, I did have a bit of a cold and uh, many of my colleagues here at taxpayers was rather relieved that I lost my voice for a little, little <laughs> oh, while well, but um, we're glad yes, you're back thank glad you very much Stephen. So we, having come back uh, just recently you would have uh, been hearing all the talk that's been bouncing around the place about the well the budget's coming up so the Prime Minister's been making a few announcements and uh, lots of people have been making talking about it um, what's the feeling? What's the feeling out there amongst uh, the team and the members? Well, one thing that we've picked up on is that they've now announced that we're not going to get a white paper, and by, by extension it also means we're not going to get a green paper that was promised last year. Yep. Instead, the budget itself is going to form the white paper policy platform for the government's election. So our wise eyes will be wide open and our ears will really be on alert uh, to know exactly what's going in the budget from a tax perspective. Right. Yeah, and I think that um, I'm, our members are basically disappointed because we did do a lot of work on the Rethink paper and mm. um, I think from memory, lady, it was about 600, nearly 700 submissions were done on the Rethink paper, wasn't it, yeah, about it, that? Uh, yeah. If not more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more and and um, in terms of all the stationery and the promotion and everything, there's been some announcements saying that um, the government spent $1.1 million mm. yeah. on the Rethink white paper and then if you looked at say 700 submissions and I know ours took longer than say 10 hours and then if you did a charge out rate of like $400 an hour you know I'm wondering can we claim that as a tax deduction if it's not going anywhere? <laughs> well but it won't be lost work will it I mean it's informed a lot of uh, our, our thinking I, I believe. Yeah, and I think it's, oh, look, doing the survey and we really thanked our members for contributing to that because mm. it really sort of, um, really sort of cemented our position on a lot of aspects. And yep. um, as we know, you know, GST is now, I don't know if it's off the table or is it sort of, mm. I think it was um, one watch, of the Greens. Watch this space thing, Yeah, isn't saying it? is it a zombie coming back mm. from the dead or something, <laughs> someone said, one of the, I think it was the Greens, Senator. Um, so we'll just wait and see what happens. Mm. Um, I think the real question in my mind with the GST being off the table is that all the states are crying out for more funds for the essentials being education and health. So yeah. how's that going to be redistributed? What do you think, Lady? I think that what will be interesting is when the Federation White Paper eventually comes out, hopefully before the election as well, because that's going to set a lot of the platforms for how the states and territories are going to get the funding, whether or not they should or should not have more rights to uh, taxing their own right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And with the Small Business um, Commissioner's uh, Roundtable that we had last week, I think you spoke about it on the podcast yes. as well, we had Robin Buckham from the Family Business Australia and she was commenting about um, federalism and it always seems to come down to that is, you know, do we have too many layers of government for this, our size uh, yep. or do we have too many layers of government interfering in too many of the same things. Oh, so, right, you know, it's yeah. just one of those things where I think the federalism white paper will actually c cement exactly what's going on and where things should be in terms of education, roads, you know, yes. all the things all that, that we hear, yeah. all the politicking about. Well, on, on, on the nitty-gritty, though, like on mm -hmm. specifics, where where do we stand? What's the taxpayer's view on a few of these things? Well, that's a very timely question, Steve, because last Friday we just submitted 
the Taxpayers Australia's pre-budget submission to Treasury Good. on behalf of our members. And as you mentioned before, uh, we, the survey that we took for Rethink uh, last year did actually inform a lot of the recommendations that we made. Okay. Yeah, and as we know, I mean, the approach that we've taken with our pre-budget submission um, is that uh, we know tax reform is not just about increasing the GST or broadening the base. You know, tax all taxes interact um, with each other and so you just can't do one quick fix. So we've sort of left the big things as a we need to fix these things in the pre-budget submission and what we've done is we've picked some real key things that can be quick win wins, I think, for our taxpayers okay. and also our members. So yes. what are they? Yeah, so at the end of the day, um, many of our members are small businesses in themselves or are tax agents who, who have clients who are small businesses. Yeah, of course. And one thing that we know from last year, once the $20,000 small business instant asset write-off came into play, it became one of our hottest topics for discussion groups, for helpline calls, mm. for our request for information um, and any articles and blog items that we wrote about it were very, very well received and yeah. very well read. The trouble is that's running out, isn't it? It is, 1st of July 2017. Now, the problem with this uh, small business instant write-off is that it's been in place for quite a long time, actually, but the threshold has just kept changing and changing and changing oh, over the past three or four years. That's right. It was $1,000 up to, I think, about 2013. Then it changed to $6,500 with the mining tax. Then it went back to $1,000. And now it's gone to $20,000, which is very much appreciated, but it's going to change back to $1,000 1st of July 17. Ugh. So it just causes a lot more confusion for our members. You yeah. know, it keeps changing. And as we know, Letty, it's just a timing difference. And also uh, with the governments, even though they say they've got a, a um, revenue problem, um, they're basically saying if we can um, increase productivity, which means people can be more successful, which means they pay more tax, you know, that could be a good thing. So if this 20000 write-off actually encourages more taxable income to be earned, it's got to be a good thing, I yes, think, for everyone. Yeah. So you're and saying, we, are we pushing to retain the $20,000 we just We just want it to, to stay as is. So we say, just let's let's leave it. It's, it's a good incentive. Okay. Remember, it's only available to, even though the numbers seem to be quite excessive, it's still only available to a small mon a small minority shareholders, isn't it, lady? That's right, and, and they have to be genuinely conducting a business and genuinely using the assets in the business. Yeah, yeah. And there's no revenue effect on that, or is it uh, minimal? What's the... It's really it, a timing effect, isn't it, lady? It's it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a timing value of money. So we're basically okay. saying if you purchase that asset, yep. you would then depreciate it over, what do you say, five years, five years. whatever, whatever commissioner's Six rate, years. or you can self-assess. Yeah, yeah, Steve, okay. that's but, how it works. But in the meantime, you've got a few assets to start making money with or start yeah. keeping your business going. Yeah, so it's basically we're just pushing the deduction up to year one instead of spreading it over multiple years. So it's yep. just a timing difference. So if you looked at the time value of money, and I know that our CEO loves that yes. term, um, <laughs> you know, what's what's the interest rate at the moment? Say two, 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 really two percent? Now, if, if we were in Japan, yep. it'd be a lot different to that. I actually uh, made a comment that they've got a negative interest rate. So a little <laughs> bit of a tax joke or a financial joke is, do we then call it disinterest? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what, what else are we pushing for then? Well, other things that we've asked for is that uh, we would like the government to introduce a tax offset for mature age workers. Oh, yeah. And this comes from our reefing policies because uh, we know from the intergenerational report last year and various other studies done as well that Australia is ageing. That's no big secret. And in order for 
Australia to maintain a particular standard of living, uh, quite bluntly, the government needs to uh, find a way to rein in public spending um, for for the retired. And yep. there are many, many older people who are still willing and capable to work. They just need to have the incentives from their side, but also from the employer's side. Right. Oh, that's exactly right. Well, I mean, my local member for Goldstein's Andrew Robb, and I just heard him on the 774 radio this morning. He says he's 62 and he's ready for his next career. <laughs> you know, he says he's got a lot to contribute. Um, it's quite well known that he's had a had a fight with the black dog of depression, so he wants to um, do some philanthropic work with mental health, but he says, I'm ready to work in the private sector as well. Mm. So I think, you know, just look at, look at that as an example. People will want to keep working, so we need to incentivise them. And the longer they keep working, more taxes they pay and takes the pressure off everyone. Well, that's right. The, the, the thing, yeah, keeping people working in the workforce, paying taxes, it's always good. Um, and I, I believe another thing was um, uh, increasing the standard uh, deduction. Uh, I noticed. What's that, what's that all about? Yeah, so basically we currently have what we call standard deduction for work-related expenses, uh, capped at $300, where you can take $300 worth of legitimate deductions for your work expenses, yep. but you don't need to keep all your receipts and so forth in the shoebox under the bed for them. Right. Now, in my deductions, lady. You use yes, my deductions. And what's the proposed new uh, cap on that? So we're asking for $2,000. Oh, yeah. While that sounds like you know, it's an increase of ninefold or so. We looked at ATO data and it shows that the average employee that claimed these work-related deductions claimed, from memory, I think it was $2,300 back in 2013. Yeah. So we consider $2,000 to be what we would call an average claim. Yeah. And we think that it would save taxpayers a lot of angst, a lot of time, a lot of effort mm. uh, to substantiate these legitimate claims. And it would also save the ATO a lot of time and effort and money to chase up $301 worth of deductions when they should really be going after the uh, big value deductions, yep. uh, which they have been doing in the last few years. That's right. Well, it's easy to spend $2,000, as most of our listeners would know. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it just takes a few car, car, car allowance claims for 66 cents and mm. you get there fairly, there fairly yeah. easily, <laughs> really. A few, a few training courses for $500 and you're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And another one was increasing the uh, uh, definition for small business, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of the things, and it sort of ties back in with our $20,000 write-off as well. You know, when you look at it, you know, the $2,000 turnover test, remember it's turnover, you yep. know, how many people really fall into that? So um, we've been um, talking to the Small Business Commissioner and IGOT and all the people that, that uh, can make a change saying, why don't we increase that to, to 5 mil? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's probably more likely to sort of fit that criteria. Mm. Um, it definitely fits in with the border tax recommendations as well. That's right. They recommended that a while ago, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that seems to be make sense because you think if you're a trading business, remember it's turnover, it's not taxable income or mm. anything like that. It's turnover. It doesn't take much if you're a trading business to hit that, you know, $2 million dollar, dollar threshold mm. and you're still just, you know, you could just be one person doing that in effect if it's just an in and out type arrangement. Yep. And yep. the $2 million threshold has been in place for many years with no indexation and no mm. increases. <laughs> And so, what's $2 million years ago compared to $2 million exactly. now? Exactly, that's true. That's one thing, lady, that I've noticed when, you know, all the, everything's getting talking, bracket creep's been a big <laughs> thing, and we've got a very nice article about the elephant in the room and our latest taxpayer about uh, bracket creep um, and indexation that, um, and it all sort of fits. Sometimes we're allowed to 
suggest indexation and sometimes we don't. Like now indexation isn't available for say CGT, we've now got this 50, 50% discount which has encouraged everyone to negative gear. Um, we don't index the brackets, we in, what, what do we index? We index the luxury car limit sort of yes. thing, you know? But you know, it's sort of like they haven't indexed the, the $2 million. So, and, but they then sort of they mark to market, if I can call it that, the Div 7A benchmark rate. So it's not, there's a lot of inconsistency when we're talking about indexation and, or adjusting for CPI. Yeah. It's interesting to note that uh, the new small business ombudsman that's going to come on board in March that we discussed in our podcast last week, their threshold is $5 million under their regime. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so it's that consistency as well, isn't it? It sort of, it all fits in with, you know, state government as well as federal government yeah, and yeah. make sure it, and that's one thing you know harmonization is a terrible word and gets bandied <laughs> around you know do we ever get there who knows who but knows? It's, it's it's a it's a big issue so you know mm. that consistency of policy approach i think would be uh, i think would be very much well received by our membership speaking of consistency um well inconsistency uh, i also noticed that the loss carry back made an appearance in um mm-hmm. taxpayer submission which was uh, i thought that pricked my ears up it's uh, I thought a great initiative that we, uh, we we lost when the mining tax was repealed because it was all part of a package. Mm-hmm. What's the taxpayers saying about the loss carryback offset? Yes, well, basically for our listeners, uh, when the mining tax was brought in, we've, along with it came a whole lot of tax concessions. And one of them was the loss carryback measure whereby a company that has been profitable for the past two years but made a one-off tax loss in the current year was able to basically claim back some of the tax that they had paid in the past couple of years instead of carrying forward the tax loss. Uh, Now, the government took away this measure when it repealed the mining tax, but we're calling for it to come back because it wasn't because it was flawed. That wasn't the reason that they got rid of it. It was only because of it was part of the package of the the mining tax. That's right. And we feel that small businesses will really benefit from this offset because it's just going to give um, cash flow benefits. It's going to reward those companies that have actually been profitable in the past um, and just happen to make a one-off loss Mm. and it will actually encourage companies to take on risks that they otherwise might not because they're too scared of the loss rules. Yeah yeah especially I mean going into the period that looks like we're going into a little bit rough um, it'll be a measure that's uh, very welcome I'd imagine. Yeah, and I think it fits very well with all the initiatives that uh, Christopher Pine and White Roy are saying with yes. the innovation statement oh, yeah. and things yep. like that. So I think this just so, sort of all adds to it. And um, again, it's we're just sort of you know juggling the cash flow for them, aren't we, Letty? We're just sort right. of moving yes. it around a bit like the twenty thousand dollar write off. It's a timing issue. Well, this loss carryback is really yeah. pretty much a timing issue it's as well. It's actually tax that they've already paid in the past two years. Oh, of course. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. We just need to. One thing that we did notice when we we're thinking about it. Now we've got the the, the two tiered tax system. Yes. We just got to make sure that you that the loss carryback is referable, can I use that word, referable to the right um, income year because that oh, then yeah. gets a bit tricky. If you've paid tax at 30, now oh, you're paying tax at 28 and a half, yeah. Steve. Yeah. You know, that's so just all details and mechanics. Oh, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it was one thing that um, you know we started talking about internally because when yeah. we originally did the rethink, remember, we only had, we only had one tax rate, didn't we, at yes. that time? Well, look, that's okay. It keeps tax agents in work, so that's fine. <laughs> it's a fine thing to have. Oh, that's right. I mean, we, <laughs> we want a simpler and fairer tax system, Steve, but, yeah. you know, we also want to keep our members... You know, on the money. Gainfully employed, that's right. Paying their taxes. Yeah. All right. Anything else in the uh, submission that people might be interested in? 
Well, outside of the submission, as Lisa just uh, pointed to the innovation statement that Malcolm Turnbull delivered, yep. I think it was in December, in early December, uh, we're really interested to see just how that fleshes out in the budget. Because while we have the underlying policies in front of us now, yep. we still don't know the details and there's just a lot of questions that have not gone answered yet. Well, time yeah, will exactly. tell, will tell. Well, look, um, thanks very much, guys. Look, listeners, by the way, if you want to have a look, a closer look at the... Uh, pre-budget submission that taxpayers has uh, given to the government, go to the website. On the homepage you'll see a tab up the top called Newsroom. The drop-down menu will take you to submissions and you can download the, uh, the paper there. But thanks for being with us again. Lacey, thank you again. Thank you, it was a pleasure. Lisa, good to have you back. Thanks very much, Stephen. And listeners, we'll see you again next week.